0: This is January 11th, so we're right into the new resolution season, right? I'm kind of a nonconformist and a procrastinator, so I usually start my resolutions in February. (laughs) I could tell you all you all love that Andre Crouch bit, didn't didn't you like? No, you're like, well, we're tolerating it. But don't worry. They tolerate your stuff, too, that you do almost every Sunday. So let's give them a hand. We need each other. We need each other. I remember when I turned... uh, Well, I have three kids. And uh, uh, David Joshua, who is 19, who is a very intelligent kid, loves the Lord. And it's amazing at 19 how much wisdom can fit in the brain of a 19-year-old where instantly... They know how to parent. They know how, they just, they just. They instantly have this life IQ that is just off the charts. And, and, and dad, you know, I just, I don't, I'm just so blessed to have a son who's 19, loves God. Just, he, he is very smart and seems to know everything. Can't pick his underwear up the bathroom floor, but he knows everything. Can't make his bed, but he knows everything. And I love him dearly. He's my beloved son and who I'm, I'm well pleased. And I have a 15-year-old son named Elijah who uh, now I'm looking up to, which is not fair at all. How many of you are taller than your parents? Raise your hand. Are you kidding me? Wow. Feels pretty good, doesn't it? And then my, my youngest child is, 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 is a girl who, uh, who is Bella, and she's 13 going on 20-some, I have started my collection of guns, and she also knows everything. But growing up, we have certain things that we go through. I remember being that age and thinking, my dad is the uncoolest guy in the world. We would go to the beach, and he'd wear Bermuda shorts, white tube socks pulled all the way up, which are now back in style, and dress shoes. I'm like, Dad, you have no fashion sense whatsoever. Now here we are years later, and my dad is 77 now, and I'm having to help him up walk him different ways. And something happened in my life after I crossed over into my 30s. My parents who raised me and raised me in the ways of the Lord, they didn't do it perfectly. But they loved me unconditionally. And they suddenly became, in my view, the wisest people in the world. Now, what would cause that change from 15 to 30? Well, it's just called life. It's called experience. And as you walk through, And it's the same thing spiritually. There are seasons in our life where we think... We really know this Christianity thing. We think we know God, we think we know the Bible. So when God speaks, we finish his sentence. <laughs> yeah, I got this guy. I got, I got I got and it's so easy to walk in front of him when he starts walking into a direction and before you know it he's already turned and he's in a different path and we're wondering, "Wait a second. I thought I was I thought I was supposed to do that, God, I thought you were leading me this way. Yes, I was leading you, but you must follow. We live in a day and age where leadership is just blowing up. You go to airport bookstores. It's all about leadership, leadership, leadership. And somehow it places this massive responsibility on the leader to pour into people. And it's almost like this picture. I'm the leader. You're the follower. I'm the leader, you're the follower. But when I look at the life of Jesus, I look at the greatest leader of all. The greatest leader knew more about following. It's in our ability to follow that we truly are able to lead. It's in our ability to follow the Lord and follow what He values, follow what He's interested in, that we're able to lead ourselves when our body wants to go one way and our heart says, go this way, and our spirit is in agreement with God and says, no, no, no. We're going to go this way. I don't know where I'm going with this this morning, but this is just by by the Spirit of God. So when we go through things, we get life experience. The only way to really gain knowledge is you hear from some people that have gone through it before, or you go through it yourself. So we're in this new season, right? We love January. How many love January? It's a do-over. It's a do-over month. doesn't matter what 2014's done. How many of you had... A good 2014, bless your holy name. How many of you had an average 2014? How many of you had just, it felt like life picked you up, chewed you up, spit you on the ground and trampled on your back 2014? And you went through stuff that you didn't even have theology for but it was all about holding on and you may be in that place right now they they say one of the biggest fears in the world besides the fear of death is fear of public speaking when my son my middle son was younger he said to me one day when we were riding in the back of the car, he said, Dad, he was, he was seven. Dad, what's your biggest fear? Seven-year-old? I, I don't know, son. Maybe, you know, probably, you know, being in a crash or something, going before my time. He goes, yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking, this mind of a seven-year-old, why is he asking this question? So after a couple minutes, I looked back and I said, Elijah. What's your biggest fear? He said, oh, Dad, that's easy. Getting blown up by a bazooka. <laughs> well, I could see that, son. You know, you want to watch crossing the street. That's why you look both ways. You don't want that anti-tank missile, you know, just accidentally sending you into the third heaven. But public speaking is even uh, it ranks up there with the fear of of death and I think about being a pastor I think about uh, pastor Grimes I think about even myself last night you go to sleep but you have this pressure because you've got to stand up in front of people now listen I can tell the same jokes I can preach the same message from place to place and everybody will still think I'm great Because really all a big shot is, is a little shot out of town. That's it. But he has got to stand before you week in, week out, and make something fresh to give to you. Fresh bread. And how many know, as much as you love steak, if you eat steak all the time, Eventually, the very thing that you love, man, again? <laughs> That's why God uses all these different gifts. But, but here's what tends to happen. Like right now, some of you will start to feel that little pressure that tomorrow you have to go back to work. So you start feeling that pressure and uneasiness, Right? Then there's that pressure that comes whenever you have bills due. You're thinking about your mortgage. You're thinking about college tuition. Pressure. We all have it. And it's amazing that when you get done and speak in front of a a bunch of people as a pastor, you have like a short window where you can relax because Monday morning comes again and it starts all again. Whether you're a pastor, whether you work a job, we all deal with pressure. I just wanna talk the next 10 minutes on pressure. And I wanna teach you how to preach to yourself under pressure. Preach to yourself under pressure. Right now, I'm going to ordain you to preach. (laughs) Preach over yourself, that is. You can't marry, you can't bury, you can't go start a church. Preach to yourself. Because how we respond to pressure makes all the difference. We tend to think that life in a peaceful life is a life void of pressure. Man, once we get this done, then we can relax. Once we we get this child out of the house, then we can relax. Once we meet this challenge, there's always going to be challenges and obstacles. There's no such thing as a perfect life for us. There's just life. So when we frame things that way, we frame these things like this Christian life is supposed to be this... You know, we're all floating on, floating on clouds, walking through petals, and there's not a care in the world, and everything falls into play. You, how can you grow without the challenge of pressure? I have a son who is proud to be 6'3 at 15 years of age. He wears a size 15 shoe. I have to special order his shoes, and they come with free ski ropes. And he walks around like he has accomplished something because he's the biggest DeMarco ever. <laughs> and he likes to play sports. He Likes to play basketball. He loves basketball. But then he realizes that he's not that good. <laughs> he's really good at NBA 2K15 a video game but he realizes in order to get good he's got to do some things that aren't fun so I was watching him one game and he was trying to bat- box out and he's the biggest kid on the floor and he's getting pushed around by these scrawny kids and on the way home he was benched and on the way home I had to tell him as a father one of the toughest that I could ignore it or I could say son listen you don't have to be the best. I do want you to reach your potential. And if you want to play this game, you're at a point now that it will not get fun unless you, you improve. What do you mean? When you come to a place where you can overcome the challenges of people being faster than you, people being stronger than you, one of the things you have to do, son, you got to get in that weight room. And for him, the toughest thing mentally to cross over is this equation. Pain equals no fun (laughs) equals run. (laughs) God uses pain. God uses pressure. None of us in this life can avoid it. We can't avoid taxes. We can't avoid death. We can't, we can't avoid infomercials, we can't avoid, we will always have pressure. We, Jesus said, listen, in this world you are going to have trials, you're going to have challenges, you're going to have tribulations. There's going to be days where your best accomplishment is just to get enough strength to get out of bed. And just change the channel mentally. See, we greet each other and we, we ask these surface questions. How you doing, brother? I'm good. I'm fine. I'm fine. How, how you doing? I'm good. How, how you doing, sister? I'm good. How, how? But sometimes I just want to say, I'm not good. I'm smiling on the outside, but inside I'm in pain. I've got areas of my life where God is being honored, but there's areas in my life that I... I am in disobedience, and I am fighting to release to God because I want control of it. And there are areas in my life that are struggling with sin, and I'm struggling with this. It's the process of, of sanctification. It's a progressive work of the Holy Spirit. As we surrender, as we give in, as we grow, we start realizing, I don't know it all. God knows, and I'm going to allow His knowledge and His word. I'm going to give that a try instead of doing it my own way. And all of the Christian experience is about a giving up in the midst of pressure to say, not my way, your way. All right, just give me five more minutes. I'm completely off these notes. How many of you deal with pressure... In a way that uh, can be destructive to those around you. You don't have to raise your hands. There are bottlers and there are spewers. Sometimes, let 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 me qualify this. Do you know that both are equally destructive to those around you? Both of them could equally be abusive to those around you. Whether you say something wrong or you withhold love and attention, both of them are equally destructive. So when we come across pressure, when the bills are due, think about the pressure you're in right now, right now. How many of you are spewers? Raise your hand. I'm raising my hand. I'm not ashamed to be a spewer. How many of you are bottlers? Raise your hand. How many of you are bottlers and are married to a spewer? Yeah. Can I give you some advice? Would you stop trying to fix? Stop fixing them and allow God to teach them. It's not your job to fix your spouse. It's not your job to fix your kids. We have this idea that we want to keep each other from pain, because pain is bad, and if we go through pain, and that's where me and my wife we, dis, we disagree about Elijah's future, because if Elijah gets in the weight room and he does things and he exercises muscles that he's never exercised before, and the pressure of that weight causes him to respond back and build muscle, he's going to grow but he's afraid. If we're afraid of pain, I'm saying we embrace the pain. We don't deny the fear because courage is not the absence of fear. But as Christians, we we have these little trait expressions that kind of want to give us a a little hug and say everything's going to be all right. You know, it's easier to say I'll pray for you than I'll walk with you. And that doesn't mean that you have to walk through things with everybody that you're coming in contact with. But there are people right now in your family or at your job site or around you in friendships that are going through the darkest time in their life and really all they want. They don't want somebody to fix. They just want somebody to walk with them. Every leader I've ever talked to, every pastor I've ever talked to have said this. Besides their spouse and some of them They can't even depend on their spouse. But they said, if you can do this thing, and in the end you have one good friend, man, you are blessed. Because a friend loves. A true friend loves at all times. So let's talk about, I just want to talk real real quickly, three points to preach to yourself on pressure. Because the last thing we need are these trite expressions that just pat everything away. Like the bumper sticker theology that says, God will not give you anything more than you can handle. Tell that to a survivor of Auschwitz. Tell that to somebody who's been sexually abused. Tell that to someone that lost their entire home and all their belongings in a fire. What means more to them than those expressions? Be Jesus. Be a friend. Give a smile. Share a hug. Show up in those dark times. My mom used to have this song whenever I was kind of discouraged. And she would look at me and she would say, come on. Now my mom was a cross between uh, Louise Jefferson and, and Edith Bunker. I'll call my mom, you know, I'll call my mom, I, you know, I, I always call my parents and check in with them, because they like that. I don't have to, I'm 40 some years old, but I, I, I want them to know, but it, it's not that easy because I get on the phone, hey mom, how you doing? Hey, Jean, Sam, no, this is David, who is this? David, oh, David, yeah, yeah mom, I'm on the road and I'm on my way to Dayton. David, where are you? <laughs> Mom, I'm on the road. I'm going to Dayton. I'm going to be preaching there this weekend. David, are you, what are you going to Dayton for? <laughs> Mom, I'm going to Dayton to preach. Oh, you're going to Dayton to preach, huh? Are you going to sing too? Yeah, I'll be singing some songs from my new CD. Oh, you're going to be singing songs from your new CD. Yeah, I'm in my van. I just wanted to check in. What car are you driving? My van, Mom. Yeah, well, it's cold. Does your van have a good heater? No, Mom, it's broke. I got all the windows down, and I'm nude, driving in a van to Dayton. Okay? They're never going to stop being your parents. Never. All they want to know... Are you okay? Are you paying the bills? Are you doing what you all that stuff? Three things I want you to... Here's, here's my points, real quick, pressure. Because my text for this is 2 Corinthians 1, 8 through 11. This is Paul. He's talking about being shipwrecked on the way to, to Asia. And he basically said, we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. We despaired of life itself. We felt we received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us again. So this is Paul. Even Paul went through stuff that he thought he could not handle. One of the things that I preach to myself when I'm under pressure is I tell myself I've been here before. I've been here before. Very quickly, I'm going to rattle these off. I've been here before. When you rehearse the faithfulness of God in your life, the times where he's provided, the times where he showed up, it brings confidence. Praise is the voice of faith. When you praise God and you're telling about his wonderful acts and his deeds, listen, it's not something that's so far off and disconnected. It's personal. The Bible says Jesus, God is nearer than the mention of his name. It is something that a worshiper takes ownership of every phrase, of every line, and says, yeah, he is my redeemer. He loves me unconditionally. I belong because of Jesus Christ. You rehearse the faithfulness of God. Yeah, I've been here before. The second thing that I do when, when I'm facing pressure, here's what I've realized. Let me just back up. David in the Bible rehearsed the presence of God. When he faced Goliath, he remembered, Yeah, I've been here before. God delivered me from the paw of the lion, the paw of the bear, and guess what? He's going to deliver me from you. That's right. The best thing that you can say to yourself by the Spirit of God is right now, if you're facing lack, if you're facing any type of challenge, you have set some point. You were there before, and God showed Himself faithful. You know why? Because you turned your heart to Him, didn't you? Amen. Second thing that I tell myself is this you got to watch because I'm about to kick over a sacred religious cow. I tell myself, I've been here before. And I'm just, I'm not that important. I'm not that important. What I mean to say is, I don't have to do everything, be everywhere, cross every T, dot every I, Wear myself out doing what others expect of me all the time in order to feel value. That's what that means. When you get to the place where you say, I don't have to do it, then you get to the place where you say, yeah, I don't have to do it, but I want to do it. I get to do it. Yeah. I mean, we're important. We're just not... That important. David, what are you talking about? I'm talking about this. If pastor did not show up next Sunday and said, I just, I'm just i not going to preach. Somebody would get up and preach. The work of God is going to go on with or without you or I. We are privileged. That's why gratefulness is so important. We get to be a part of what God's doing in these last days. We get to. You get to be a mother. You get to be a father. You get to provide for your family. You don't have to do it. You can live off the government. Mostly, you you could live unethically and illegally. But you want to do it. And then finally, I'm going to close with this. After we preach, I've been here before, and I'm not, I'm not that important. I know a lot of you are having trouble with that, you know. Like at your job, if you didn't show up, somebody else will do your job. The whole idea is that our dependency is directed upon God and not on ourselves. You understand? I'll never forget this one guy I used to work for who led worship. And it was tough leading worship in his church because he was a worship leader. And he thought that no one else could do it as well as he could. He's not that important. Neither am I or you. Our importance lies in our gratefulness and in what God has has given us of a value, not in what we do. So the last thing I say is I'm better under pressure. I'm better under pressure. You know, there's a study going on in the in the NFL to say which quarterbacks are better under pressure. Do you know which quarterback is near the bottom when it comes to pressure? Not being able to win or perform under pressure, you're gonna be surprised. Who? Payne Manning. Peyton Manning. You're right. You'd be surprised. Are you kidding me? I'm better under pressure and you're better, better under pressure because don't you understand when pressure is happening, you seem to kind of turn up the consecration dial. You pray a little bit more, don't you? You read your Bible, you start to dial in. Do you know that God is up there and he's not saying, listen, I'm not going to help you because, you know, ten years ago when everything was going real great, you weren't giving me the... God doesn't hold grudges like that. He's like, listen, any grandparent that has grandchildren will tell you, their grandkids, any time they run to them, they will pick them up and love on them and put them on their lap, and those grandkids will squiggle, squiggle, they'll cry and they'll leave. A grandparent will take any time they can with their grandchildren. We pray harder. We press in. You're better under pressure and so am I. Let me close with this, Jesus showed us his very humanness when he was in the garden of Gethsemane. I love, I love this part of our God where we see him sympathize. We see his empathy as a leader, where he is in the garden hours from going to the cross And he has his people here, and they're they're praying, and they're falling asleep. His closest people, he can't even depend on. So he stands before God. He can feel the pressure. So much, the pressure is causing sweat, drops of blood. And he does this. He asks in his prayer for a plan B. He says, Father, can you, uh, can you make this cup pass? Meaning, Father, can you, is there another way we can... This is too... This is hard. This pressure. I don't know if I can... God, is there another way? And God doesn't send 10,000 angels down. Even though Jesus had the power to do that as well. This is what he did in pressure. He said, you know something... God, it's not about me. It's not about what I want. It's not about my will. It's about your will. I'm going to keep following you. And the Bible said, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despised its shame, We were that joy that was set before him. Listen, you've got to see the joy at the other end, on the other side of the pressure, and press through that. Embrace that pressure and preach to yourself, I've been here before. The God that was faithful then will be faithful now. And I know that I am important, but you know something? If this doesn't get done, it's not up to me to make this thing go. I am agile, and I am fragile. And finally, I know that I'm better under pressure because the more I surrender, it opens up a door for the power of God and the grace of God to flow through me and do things through me that I could never do on my own. Jake, would you come? Would you bow your head? Some of you right now, you're facing a situation, even in your relationships, there are marriages that are in the balance today because husbands and wives just don't know if they can work it out. There's been so many hurts, so many wrongs, and the biggest obstacle is not who's right and who's wrong. It's, will you both humble yourself and choose the will of the Father? Will you choose to love? Will you choose to let go and follow choose to let go and let him have control of your life some of you even in your finances you've been living paycheck to paycheck to paycheck you're so afraid that if you if you give that offering if you start to tithe then all of a sudden it's going to affect your it's going to, it's going to affect your monthly income when God's just telling you just surrender just let go respond to the pressure surrendering to me. I'm going to pray. But within the sound of my voice, if you have a life situation right now where you're feeling pressure, whether it's from work, whether it's from home, whether it's in your friendships, I'm going to pray. This isn't something that we can lay hands on you and, and, and the trouble will go away just like Elijah I can't keep him from the pain but I can encourage him to embrace the pain courageously by being encouraged by the Lord God's never going to leave you drive down the street, you never look at a bird, you never look at a lily and worry that that lily or that bird is going to, going to have be clothed or, or going to have food. You just don't even worry about it. They're so insignificant. Yet how much more does your heavenly Father care for you that the promise that He gave you to never leave you nor forsake you even until the end of the age that very promise is going to pull you through And you're struggling with certain pressures in your life. Lift your hand up. I want to include you in this prayer before Pastor comes. Hands are going up all over the place. I've got. Fin- I'm in the most financial pressure I've ever been in, in my entire life. I'm almost on the verge of. Uh, I, I, I'm, I have relational pressures. I have midlife pressure. Different seasons. Some of you are, are are getting that age up in years where someone else is going to have to take care of you. That's pressure as well. with every hand every hand that confessed Lord I'm going through pressure when you raise your hand you're saying not my will but your will God I am going to surrender to you and I'm going to embrace the pain by preaching to myself preaching what you say about me I pray for every hand that was raised Lord I I I know that you provide, not always the way that we think, but you provide in the timing and in the way and in the methods that you see best. You always compliment your word. You confirm your word. Right now, here's what I'm praying for. For the spirit, a courageous spirit. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. No spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. A mind that can make decisions that are godly. A mind that can make decisions based upon God's will and not upon feelings. Strengthen your people today when we go through this fire and some of us are in the crucible you are burning away stuff that we've held on to for years stuff that we think has become our own identity and you're causing a separation and it is frightful it is scary because we don't know what's on the other side yet we trust you and we hold your hand we don't know where we're going but we know that it's your hand Thank you for uncommon provision, uncommon protection, and for the courage to trust, to obey. Resolutions by February, they're they're done. They're done. So, what happens? We feel like a failure. We've got to change the way that we change. And here's how we do it you get off the treadmill, get off the treadmill of works stand under the shower of grace. You know, you stand under a shower head, your entire body is going to get drenched. You stand under a shower head long enough, your entire body is going to get cleansed. You don't run around in the shower. If you put yourself in position long enough to allow the refreshing waters of God's Spirit and His Word to clean you, to refresh you, Stay put in the process is the word of the Lord. That is what I'm saying. Push through and watch the processes of God yield fruit in your life.